I suspect, I suspect that you're tired today. This week, this year has been beyond most of our capacities to imagine. Perhaps you're tired of Zoom calls and self-isolation. You're wondering how long it will be until you can see and embrace your family and friends again. Perhaps you're tired of the difficult situations that are present for you at home and you just need to be anywhere else for a while. Maybe it's the growing list of those who you know who suffer from COVID-19 or suffer because of the circumstances surrounding this disease that has you weary and worn. Many in our church family have experienced loss in the last number of months where they have not been able to say goodbye or have not been able to grieve in community and that double loss continues to drain them. Our city is still trying to tear down the tents that provide basic shelter to the homeless. Despite CDC advice to leave the tents alone during a pandemic, and despite the reality of an ongoing outbreak in our shelter system. Last week, as a heat warning came into effect, many in apartments across the city continued to swelter inside because they couldn't go outside because of public health advice. These are problems of iniquity and injustice that have always been present, but are now magnified by our current crisis. And this is all to say nothing of the continued and rampant displays of racism in Toronto, in Canada, and the United States, and across the world. Asians are being harassed because of this virus. Shopkeepers in our parish near Kensington Market were assaulted in their own store. Black people and people of color are being killed repeatedly by fellow citizens, by those sworn to protect and serve by a society that does not care for them. I'm tired. I trust you are too. I know that many in our community remember the names of Tamir Rice, Brianna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, and in Toronto, a story that cries out for answers in the death of Regis Korchinski Paquette. These names are all brothers and sisters, children and friends. They're all people made in the image of God, good and very good. These names could have been so many other names, and as this story continues, we lament that they may yet be so many other names of our neighbors, of our brothers and sisters, whose skin looks different than my own, whose relationship with the police, with authorities, with structures of our society are strained by generations of trauma, by institutionalized violence and racism, by things that are so far beyond their control that every new name on this list is another seemingly irreparable wound in their hearts another reminder of the struggle that it is to just continue on, to just survive. This is a wearying story in a time of wearying stories, a cry out for greater justice and deeper love from a place that has been bereft of justice and where hatred has ruled for far too long. So perhaps it is this week, more than any other week so far, in our consideration of the good news in the book of Revelation, that we can understand the place that the churches who receive these visions are in. They too are tired. 
They're tired of good being repaid for evil. They're tired of being rejected from places of sanctuary and worship. They are tired of arrests and imprisonment and exiles. Tired of name after name of their dead. To us, these are just names. But to them, they were friends. And their murders were state-sanctioned. Paul, and then Peter, and Mark, and Philip, and Andrew, and Jude, and Bartholomew, and Thomas. And now John the Revelator is in exile on Patmos, but not because they didn't try to kill him first. Don't worry, they tried, but God saved him. Saved him to die apart from his community in exile on an island. The church had seen pastors and teachers and apostles and evangelists taken, sometimes tried, almost always killed. This was happening to brothers and sisters, children and dear friends. They were living under the shadow of the very empire that had participated in the crucifixion of our God, whose ideal of peace, the Pax Romana, was built on the very subjugation of the conquered and the unquestioning loyalty to a mythologized past of their cultural greatness and the sure and certain confidence in their future destiny of an expanding empire. That sounds uncomfortably similar to many empires of the present day as well. Being a Christian was dangerous. Living under the Roman peace was always tenuous at best. You just kind of had to hope that your local governor didn't get any ideas, that the Romans posted an outpost near you didn't see any trouble in you or didn't want to find any trouble with you. And even if you were fortunate enough to be a citizen of that same empire, it didn't necessarily guarantee that you wouldn't still find the same fate as so many others who were less fortunate than you, as was ultimately the case for the Apostle Paul. And this didn't make sense to the church because Jesus had died and rose again. So why were people still dying? And more than rose again, Jesus had ascended to the right hand of his father. How could Rome continue to kill those who followed him? And beyond ascended, he sent the gift of the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. So how long might God allow those who not only bear his image, but are temples for his spirit to perish? If Jesus really is victorious over all things, where is his victory over disease and the way death still ravages? Where is his victory over anti-black racism and the marginalization of indigenous peoples and the suffering of the poor? Why do people continue to suffer in the ways that they do? Why does evil continue to wield such overwhelming force? Why are we still crying out, how long? And so we turn to this chapter, Revelation 12, and it begins with an image of a woman in the pain of childbirth. This woman is a vision of the community of faithful people from all time. Before Christ's coming, who ask, How long, O Lord, will we suffer in exile and wait for you to come? And after Christ's incarnation, who continue to cry out, How long, O Lord, until your reign of justice will come? 
And then there's this second image to go with the first. The image of a dragon intent on destroying not only the woman, but the hope that the woman has. The hope of a child. And more than a child, the hope of a just and good king. This is what will be taken from her. This dragon, seven heads, ten horns, seven crowns, it's meant to be this image of complete and total evil. It's making a false claim to total sovereignty. It is a usurper to God's throne. The dragon is not successful. The child is taken up to God's throne. Jesus ascends into heaven. And we're left waiting for his rule of justice and love while people die. While people starve. While people suffer. And then war breaks out in heaven. War broke out in heaven because heaven and earth are not as nearly as far apart as that dragon would have you believe. The angels that are tasked with the protection and care of God's people, and God's people have always believed that when they suffered, It would be the angels that God commands that would set it right. When Israel was freed from slavery in Egypt, they understood that their angels were judging the angels of the Egyptians. And here we see it again, the promise that divine justice is coming. Divine justice is coming, and its first promise is that God's kingdom has come, first in heaven, and that it will be coming on earth. That heaven is coming to us. That the dragon will not take up permanent residence here either, but will be pushed further and further away. Every time Rome persecuted the church, every time a person suffered at the hands of the empire, this vision gives the context of a larger battle. That it's not Rome that's the problem. The problem is a sad and dying dragon too filled with hatred and rage to do anything else but lash out at all those who God loves, knowing that its end is near. The idea is quite simple. The dragon's going down. So he's taking as many others down with him as he can. But he can't take any more with him. He can't. He is impotent in his anger and subverted in his rage. Every Christian killed by Rome is not another star stolen from the sky. It is a saint who has overcome him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. It is a dear child of God who has been welcomed into God's kingdom until that kingdom finally reaches the farthest ends of the earth and the furthest reaches of the sea. For they did not cling to life even in the face of death. The hope of this story is deep and rich. Heaven rages at the suffering of God's people. The heavenly host take up arms and intervene in the cause of the oppressed. This is the turning point in the whole story. And the earth joins the work of the creator in working to subdue all that is evil until the day when all evil is finally undone. Heaven intervenes to protect the woman, though trouble still comes. The earth swallows the waters of the dragon, though the dragon still moves. God will not sit idly by. God is not our enemy. Rather, we share a common enemy with God, 
an enemy who has been ultimately defeated, but whose final demise is still to come. The enemy is not the people who harm us, is not the world which was created for good for us to enjoy. The enemy is a dragon rendered powerless, more bark than bite these days, who we ought to pity more than fear, because he knows that his time is short. Friends, our enemies are not those who we think they might be. Our enemies are not bad leaders. They are not criminal police officers. They are not greedy capitalists or violent protesters. They are not people from other races or cultures than our own. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our enemy is one who seeks to divide, and he is the deceiver of the whole world. Our enemy will use power, and nations, and systems, and even people allied with those things to seek what harm he can cause until the day when all of these things pass away. For now, we must remember the promise of this vision of Revelation, which is also the promise of Pentecost, that heaven is coming to earth that the war that broke out in heaven has found new ground in our cities, in our neighborhoods, in our lives, and that these battles will be won by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony, that it is not only the dragon who has been cast down, but God's Spirit has been sent down as well to fill our hearts and to anoint people with Christ-like power to further reveal God's kingdom in our midst and to remind us that God is not abandoning the earth to the dragon and its schemes, but has set up camp in every person from every nation and tribe that proclaims Jesus is Lord. We must remember the hope of a promise on days and through weeks where it feels like heaven has forgotten our prayers, that God's kingdom cannot possibly come. Perhaps even that we must use those same tools of violence, oppression, and power to bring about a better world for ourselves. Rather, we remember that our struggle is not against the things that are in front of us, but against the very one who causes these struggles, that seeks to deceive the whole world. And we find hope even in our suffering, because we also know that his time is short And nothing that the dragon does can overcome those who are in Christ and are more than conquerors. Brothers and sisters, let us not be discouraged. Let us not become discouraged in being people of faith, hope, and love. Let us not lag in doing good works in the Lord. For we have been told these things so that in Christ we may have peace. In this world we will have troubles, but take heart. Christ has overcome the world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Church, would you pray with me? Jesus, we believe that there is power in your name. We believe that Because of you and because of what you've done, we are more than conquerors. We believe that every person who suffers and dies at the hands of powers and principalities, against that dragon flailing in the throes of death, is not a person stolen from you or from your love. 
but is a person who has overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And so we pray for that good testimony, the testimony that war broke out in heaven and that the days of this dragon